back here on the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. Chip Patterson here, Kyle Porter there, and uh, this is perhaps uh, as 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 rogue as it gets, as as duct tape as as you know, we've we've really got to do everything possible uh, to be able to bring you the the First Cut Podcast that you, the loyal listeners, want and desire so much, and that includes uh, the man with the name on a show. Kyle Porter currently in the in a coffee shop parking lot with his condenser microphone, pop filter, laptop out, looking like an absolute lunatic. How are we doing, Kyle? Uh, well, like you said before the show, it's become a tradition unlike any other. This is the uh, the golf uh, media week up in Stillwater, so I come up and play in the uh, the golf tournament, the Mike Gundy golf tournament that he doesn't come to, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'm just once again. Uh, shout out to Aspen Coffee, a staple of my college days. I'm stealing their Wi-Fi. I did buy a drink there, so I don't feel too bad. And uh, yeah, we're gonna jam on some some Bridgestone, some Ryder Cup. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. All right, so Tiger Woods, um, you know, commits not only to well, he gets into the World Golf Championship Bridgestone. This is gonna be the last time at Firestone. Then the tournament's gonna be moving to Memphis. Uh, my number one reaction to it, obviously, because it's a place where Tigers won eight times, uh, including the first three times that this event was there. Um, I I felt like uh, it's a place where you want tiger woods to be able to compete because you think he might be able to win but didn't it also seem like because the tournament is moving not having tiger woods there would have been just the biggest bummer ever yeah i totally agree i i think that i don't know i think that bridgestone is it's it's in a weird spot because it's like this big tournament but it's between the open and the pga and so it's not I don't think it gets the attention that maybe it should as a WGC. I, there's a part of me that doesn't think the WGC, any of the WGCs get the attention they should because they go to, I don't know, not super exciting courses and they're kind of at weird times. But uh, yeah, this is a nice like swan song for, uh, for Firestone as, as a PGA Tour. I mean, it's crazy. The PGA Tour has been going to Firestone. We think of it as like where Tigers won eight times. Jack Nicholas has won there seven times. Oh, it's, like it's been it's fifty it's been years, a, right? Yeah, and they've they've had like the World Series of Golf there, and and they you know they've had all these different tournaments, and so it's just um, I don't know you know places lose tournaments. Doral lost a PGA Tour event, but it is cool that it's kind of ending with uh, you know the guy that has basically owned it for the last two decades playing one final time. Why do you think the WGCs don't get the attention that they deserve? I don't know. They feel a little <laughs> contrived, I think. Like, seriously, if you look at look at Riviera, look at the Genesis. Forget the Genesis Open. Like, that's what we call it, but it's a Riviera. I mean, guys have been going there for almost 100 years. Yeah. And so there's this, there's a, it, it, there's this tradition that's, like, built up. It's the difference between, like, Oregon football and Alabama football. Where it's the you know, com- it's like, the community where it's like uh, everybody around the course and everybody in the area and you know the the golf tournaments have the the spot the sponsors and the the power brokers like it it is something that uh, if if it's a regular stop and it's something that everyone's used to I mean the the only real uh, the only real connection that I guess I can draw to it is is probably the 
you know, the, the feelings the, that are associated with Quail Hollow around the Charlotte area uh, or even the Wyndham or the old Greater Greensboro Open in Greensboro. But still, none of that uh, is compared to what you have in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, I just think that, like, I don't know. For me, the WGCs, like I said, like Oregon versus Alabama, if everything lines up perfectly and Oregon's winning a bunch of games, like a bunch of people will show up and, you know, watch their games or whatever. But if not, then people are just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's not a major. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the players. It's not whatever. And I don't know, maybe that analogy doesn't hold up. But for me, it just feels like this, it feels like this thing that the PGA Tour is, they're not forcing it because they're a big deal. I, I've always argued that like players make events. Like if the top guys don't show up for the U S open all of a sudden, it's not the U S open anymore. You know, like it's just not as big of a deal. So I, I, I don't know. I don't really have an answer, but they're just not viewed as, I mean, they, they are by all accounts like top 10 tournaments, but I don't really think of them like that as they, as they come throughout the year. Do you want to know why I don't think of them that way right now is because when we started doing this podcast uh, and, and I start, started ramping up my contributions to our CBSSports.com golf coverage, uh, I, I associated the WGCs with, oh yeah, those are the tournaments that it's either going to be won by DJ or Hideki. And the dominance of DJ and Hideki like almost downplayed the fact that uh, there are 48 other of the top 50 golfers in the world that are there and any one of them uh, could be going up and being able to, to capitalize in this moment. So like as, as we look ahead to this weekend, you know, what, where do you have to fall back into, especially with DJ coming off uh, his third win of the season uh, that you put him there? Is this a spot where you, you think that Hideki after what has to be a disappointing season so far that they recapture this or, or do you, do you widen your, uh, your net? Are you tossing a wider net to, to look at the contenders? Man, I really think DJ could win like three in a row, you know, coming off Canada, then this week. And then, I mean, it did easy to see him winning Bridgestone where he's had a, he's had a lot of success. I mean, he's got four or five top fives. Uh, And then uh, any, any one, did he win there a couple of years ago or did he, did he, I can't remember. I need to look that up. Hideki Um, Hideki won it last year and DJ might've won. Yeah. He won in 16. He did. Yeah. There we go. And then going to Bell Reeve and, and rolling on into the, the playoffs. I, it's just, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen, but it's just so easy to see him winning three straight and then us being like, oh, yeah, DJ's got a, another gear that everybody doesn't have. We go through these, these spells where we like forget that, and then he wins by like eight at a big event. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> That's the dude that's got, I mean, DJ almost has 20 wins. Yeah. Like, you know, you know how you like, that should be adjusted for inflation or guys that they competed in the sixties, their 30 wins or 20 wins or whatever. That those should be adjusted to this era. It's just a better era to win 20 times in this era is a joke. And if he wins, you know, one of the next two or whatever, like he gets to 20 lifetime exemption, I don't know. He's he's unbelievable, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he won this week. So, what's the like? Where do, when we talk about DJ having that extra gear, um, you know, it's to to me, we're just talking about 
uh, whether or not he's going to be executing from like on and around the greens and his wedge game has gotten better we've talked about that a lot on the podcast uh putting is like the one thing statistically where dj is not elite you know everything else is pretty much you know whether it's t to green off the t um i i felt like that was one thing where you looked at the Canadian Open, you're like, oh, wow, he's really rolling it. He's he's putting the ball well. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to take the jump, though, that that's necessarily going to carry over to, like, the – I can see him winning, you know, the next three tournaments because, I mean, I could I could see him winning, the like, being the, the FedEx Cup champion here in uh, at the end of yeah. it. But, like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to ca- – how about this? I'm not ready to count out the competition. I think what we saw from – Jordan Spieth and his comments about uh, some of the confidence that he drew from the open. I think what we saw from Tiger and what he's going to be able to do. And like, let's let's go back. Are you are you off? Uh, Rory McIlroy is going to win at Bell Reve. Let's wrap it up. Are you no longer on that train? One Canadian Open win, and you're just off the Rory train? No, I'm actually picking Rory each of the next two weeks. <laughs> I've already. I've, I've already I submitted my picks during the final round of Carnegie. <laughs> Are you really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm picking him this week and next week. Yeah, I mean he he showed me something at Carnegie on the weekend. He really did. Like I know people look back and be like, oh, Rory doesn't have it. You know, T two. He he got beat by some one of the Molinari brothers. It's like what we saw on the weekend there, and I don't know. Like we always talk like bigger picture with Rory's career, but. I just feel like what we saw on the weekend, we haven't seen in a long time. And that was Rory fighting for a big time title and, and succeeding, you know, like as much as he could on, on, on the weekend or whatever. And, you know, it wasn't his best stuff, but that's sort of the point is that he finished T2 at a, at a major without his best stuff. And so now he goes to two places that, you know, obviously he's won at Firestone. Bell Reeve is like, custom make a, a major for him to win and and that'll be it and i don't know i just i'm he's just gonna be an easy pick for me the each of the next two weeks and so you know what what happens then like what how does that change the conversation around rory mcelroy will will one more major even even if it is a pga championship uh, like does does that all of a sudden change the tenor of the conversation, particularly when uh, each major that has passed since his last, like that that has has ramped up the pressure on him, which probably is mostly external. Like if, if let's let's go ahead and spin this forward. Let's say he does win. Um, well, let's say he wins the next two. Do you think that all of a sudden uh, the golf world is looking at Rory McIlroy differently than they are here on August first? Not really. For me, it's always been like, can you win Shinnecock? Can you win uh, the, can you win Augusta? You know, can, can you win even like, I just feel like if he'd won Shinnecock or Carnoustie, that changes it for me because those are, those are different. Those are different than the ones that he's won. And, and I think even like, let's say he wins Belrave this year and then he wins Augusta in like 2021 it's almost like winning Augusta or winning like a, at a, just a iconic course gives more, um, like it kind of buoys your past victories, your Kiowa, your, uh, your Valhalla. Like it almost gives more, more punch to those victories because it's like, okay, we've seen you can do it everywhere and you're not just a one trick pony, mm. you know, because I, I think that 
sometimes he falls into that and maybe he is, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to look back on after his career is over. I talked to people on both sides of it. Some people are like, Oh, he only wins when it's soft. Other people are like, you don't understand how good of a, of a ball. I mean, he's, he's like the best ball striker in the world. Like he, he can do the most things with the golf ball. And it's like, ah, I, I kind of get that. But then on the other side, it's like, can he? Because I, I don't know that I've seen it. Like I didn't see it at Shinnecock. I, I haven't yeah. seen it necessarily at Augusta. So to me, winning, winning a WG, winning Bridgestone or Bell Reeve, it doesn't, it doesn't change much in terms of the overall arc, like winning an Augusta or a Carnoustie would. Um, but it, it would be great for, it'd be great for this year. It'd be great for the Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, if he does that, he'd probably win PGA Tour Player of the Year when you pair it with uh, the Arnold Palmer that he won back in, in March. I feel like, uh, I, I don't know if which one is going to be the best sports example, but my my view of Rory McIlroy is, number one, he's, he's one of the best players in the world, and that number two, when it gets into uh, stylistically, you know, trying to figure out how these pieces all fit together, he... Because his wins have included, you know, going so low and oftentimes uh, beating the rest of the field by a margin, he it's almost like um, a, a no huddle up tempo offense in football, or you know, a Golden State Warriors like just shoot and make a ton of threes. And because we have, uh, you know, the, in each of those situations, basketball and football, there there are you know stylistic opposites. Um, like I'm, I'm very comfortable putting Rory McIlroy in that in that category, and so I don't, I don't know if we're gonna see him win a grinder. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like 2008 OU football. Yeah, to where you're like, like when it's clicking, you're like, oh my gosh, like what am I watching? You know, like the, like you average like 50 a game or whatever it was, but then when you have to like win a a slugfest, like a fight against like a Florida. 20, yeah. Yeah, like it's yeah, like a twenty one seventeen game and you and you get T bowed, then it yeah, it, it, it but like can you even be both? Mm. Like out like 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 an SCT an SEC team is not both. Right. Like aren't aren't you kind of one or the other? Like and I think we look at, at golfers and we're like, Oh, you gotta be able to win all these different ways and it's like just win. Like just win however you win. And, you know, it, he hasn't won like a runaway at Augusta or, or like a classic place like that. Um, but maybe he will. I, I don't know. I have no idea. So I, I just, I don't know. We talk about wanting him to be certain things. And, and I just got done talking about how like he showed me something with his fight at Carnoustie. But I just don't, I don't know how well you can be both over the course of a 15 or 20 year career. Are you looking for candidates to have a 15 to 20 year career with your business? Listen, we know hiring is challenging, but there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ziprecruiter.com slash first cut. 
ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. They've got powerful matching technology. They scan thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And then, as the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so that you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Very, very exclusive. ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That is F-I-R-S-T-C-U-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Um, Eldrick, Tiger Woods. Let's turn our attention uh, to Big Cat. Big Cat. The like he's not only going to be playing at Firestone. You know, we're also going to see him at the PGA, and and he's already started to commit uh, to some playoff events. You know, as, as we come back to Earth from what was that exhilarating experience on Sunday at the Open Championship, where. Where do we readjust ourselves? Where where do we set our expectations for him here in these final events for uh, for the season? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I wrote about some Tiger stats earlier this week. He's number six on the PGA Tour in strokes gain. Number six in total strokes gain. Every yeah, total strokes gain. The five guys ahead of him have combined. They've all won this year, and they've combined for ten wins. Wow. So he's in the company of guys that are winning multiple times on the year it's like dj justin thomas paul casey justin rose and maybe molinari i can't remember the other guy um and so i i, I don't i don't know i don't know what what to feel about that i i think that we should view him as a really good 42 year old golfer who is not really struggling with injury which is a great thing um i i was thinking about this wouldn't like I was going through my picks for for this week. Wouldn't like if you were if you just took his name out of it and somebody was coming off a top ten at major and had won twice as many times at a course, specifically Firestone, as Ricky Fowler has won in his PGA Tour career. Would you like be picking that guy every time to win this week? Yeah, I'm picking Tiger to win this week. And, and you should be. Yeah, but like absolutely. We, we get into we get into this weird vortex because it's Tiger, and we're like, oh, I don't know about the back, and like, does he mentally like just? But if you just look at the numbers, everything makes sense. So who knows? Like, it'd be awesome if he won this week, going into next week's PGA. Um, but my expectation is the same as it's been for most of the year. I'd say three quarters of the year, which is. You should be finishing in the top ten if you're Tiger Woods because that's what you are statistically. And it's not, it doesn't mean you're always going to do it. I think he's got uh, four top tens, eight top 25s on the year. But that's like sort of the the benchmark. Like, and, and that's a benchmark for most guys, you know, at, at kind of at the top the top end of things. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we're at with Tiger. What's the um, like? 
the is, what about like the is is Justin Thomas there every single time Justin Thomas because that's the you know we we talk about the in the Spieth and Tiger we we're saying you know twenty four and forty two the numbers just make it too too fun to put them on both ends of the spectrum like is Justin Thomas at a place where his his talent says that he should every single time he shows up to a course be finishing top ten do you feel like this season we've seen the production like this season especially coming off last year where it was ridiculous like do you think that you see for a justin thomas every single time he shows up he should be in the top 10 yeah totally i mean if you're if you're the number what is he three or four golfer in the world right now you you should i mean that should be the expectation i think that's the expectation for him i i think for those guys it's a little different um does that go back and we've to talked the, about this before the, the value of winning as opposed to like making cuts, top tens, top fives, and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think that Justin Thomas, like he, I, he said publicly that he wants to get more consistent, and I believe him. Like I, I think that you should always want to get more consistent, but I don't think he's like losing sleep over not top tenning as long as he's winning two or three times a year. Right. Um. Because that's what people look at. I mean, and this is the, the it's the perfect argument between like Fowler and Justin Thomas, right? Like Fowler's like t- like T eleven T eight every week, and Justin Thomas, you know he's he's starting to become more consistent. But in the past, it's been like miscut or win, miscut or win. <laughs> Especially at the beginning of I think seventeen, he like won a bunch, then he missed a bunch of cuts, then he won more. It it was it was really up and down. But what do you what do you value more? I mean, I think that most golfers and the general public value wins, and don't care about the miscuts, but. Does that mean you're a better golfer than somebody like Ricky Fowler, who's T9 every week? I don't know. Uh, it's such an interesting argument, and I don't really know. I don't. I don't know which side of it I land on. <laughs> you gotta have a well. You're not landing on a side, Kyle. Where's 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 the strong takes? Are you does is that is that coffee not flowing through you? I think I, th- I think it goes back to because I I draw it back to the the money thing, right? Where there was a time where. Uh, your your T eleven versus your you know T thirty five could be very significant in terms of your livelihood, and all these golfers now are making enough money that uh you approach it differently, and they're they're probably not going to be going conservative on Sunday to ensure that they're going to be finishing in in the top ten or the top fifteen. They're gonna if they're you know all of a sudden four strokes off the lead to start the day, they're gonna be really aggressive because they want to go out there shoot a sixty five and try and win a tournament. And I think that the change in the mentality of how uh the golfers approach Sunday, especially where it is a you know, win or lose, not a, I hope to finish at this point on the leaderboard that, that, that changes it. Because also when you, when you get aggressive, you could also go out there and shoot a 73. And so I, I, I tend to think that the, the wins matter more. And I haven't always thought that, but it's something that I've sort of come to over the past two years where when I pull up a golfer's PGA tour profile, I'm not, I'm not referencing. It's like wow, and, and I mean, he had he was T three, he was T eight, and then it was awesome, and it's a good sign. But I probably lean more on statistics than leaderboard finishes right now in terms of uh, my expectations for golfers. Yeah, it's a great point. I was listening to the Fried Egg podcast uh, yesterday or today, and they were talking about how like it's weird, like guys' careers are weird now because you're so rich at such a young age. And that just 
by human nature removes some of the drive <laughs> yeah. for some guys. It's for some guys. It's a lot less for some guys. It's a lot more, but like, like Rory, Rory is like wealthy, like hundreds of millions of dollars wealthy generationally. And wealthy. so, yeah. And so if you're not driven by that, then, and, and I, I think, I, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of those guys, money has just always been whatever. Like they never really thought a ton about it. Cause they had either like very little or a ton. Like they've never been like in the middle. Right. You know? Um, and so, yeah, when, when you, when you take like the money stuff out of it, yeah, like you're going, you're going for broke. Like if you're, if you're, I mean, look at like Justin Rose at, at, uh, at the open. So he's, Justin Rose is super rich and like, I, I'm not saying, and I don't think you're saying that like money is the only factor here. It's one of a thousand factors, but it's certainly like, it's certainly one of them. And so Justin Rose gets to the weekend. He's like, whatever, I don't care if I finish you know, T10 or T20, like I'm, I'm going to go try and win. Right. And then he almost wins. Yeah. I'm going to go try and and shoot the lowest score possible. I'm going to be as aggressive as I can get. I'm trying to go get these birdies and he almost did it. And so somebody in the 1970s, who's like, it costs a lot to travel over to the, to Scotland and you, you make, I don't know, 30 grand a year or whatever. Like you might not have that mentality. You know, and so it does change sort of the dynamic, especially for the top end guys who are who are rich and and some of them even super wealthy. Um, the uh, did you, did you see? Is that a hot like? Does that does that come off the right way? Yeah. Well, what what are you, are you afraid okay. of it being? Because I, I mean, we could take this into the socioeconomic breakdowns of golf as a sport, and you could say, well, yeah, money doesn't matter because there's a certain baseline that we've seen. Uh, for at least uh, for American golf, we, there's a certain baseline where most uh, of these stories don't have the hardship background, and so therefore the the perception of you know how how does my play this weekend impact how I feed my family like that that might not have ever been uh, a situation to begin with. Well, yeah, I just I don't I don't want it to come off of me saying like uh making it like about money i just think it's something that factors in that like you said is different than it was not only like 60 years ago but like 15 or 20 years ago right and and so i think it just changes the dynamic of the way that guys put yeah absolutely now millions of dollars in endorsement money is probably not a reality for uh, most of the golfers and golf fans who listen to this podcast, but uh, trying to go as low as possible, well, that that's everybody's hope and dream. Uh, but at Top Golf, they've got an opportunity for you where you can improve your game, but also have all the fun that you've come to know and love at Top Golf. Because at Top Golf, they do lessons differently. They've got certified instructors that not only help you improve your game, they want you to have a great time too. So you can sip, snack, swing, and play better with Top Golf Coach. So book a lesson today with one of the certified instructors at topgolf.com/lessons. All of the amenities you've come to know and love at Top Golf, it's all going to be there, but you're also going to have someone to help you. Whether it's you're you're turning the club over, you're not bringing your hips through it. Uh, they'll be able to help you identify that. They'll be able to help you improve that part of your game. Go to topgolf.com/lessons and book a lesson with one of the certified instructors today. 
Did you see uh, what the final holes were at the Porsche Open in Germany on the European tour? Yes, you texted me, and I I had I either saw it right before or right after. Um, they closed five, uh, par five, par five, par three, yeah. par five. Yeah. So so when Bryson DeChambeau shoots like six over on the final four holes, because that's the thing that made it so painful, is it wasn't just you, you had a couple bogeys. It's how many shots it took to get those bogeys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like the, the most miserable double or triple bogey uh, in my game is going to be the one that comes on the par five, just because it's going to take me so long to get all the way into the hole like if yeah i could i could three jack on the green on a par three and and quickly uh forget it and be able to move on to the next one but that was a long grinding finish for bryson dechambeau in in a position where the four holes away from uh, winning a european tour event which would have been you know yet another big accomplishment after he won the memorial earlier this year he's working on trying to make the Ryder cup team uh but i i didn't i didn't overreact in terms of his 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 overreaction but i did think it was uh it was painful to to try and put myself in bryson's shoes for that finish yeah so two things here one every tournament should end with three par fives in the final four holes because it <laughs> extends the the sort of life of your tournament everybody's in it until the end imagine and this is this is why the Ryder cup is so great because it seems like it's close until there's like two hours left in the event and then it's not close at all right because there, there's and, all these matches that are, you know, one or two holes away from being decided one way or the other. Yeah, and so and so the same is true if you have three par fives because if if Brooks Kepka is like down four, you're like, well, I mean, he could make two eagles over the last four <laughs> holes right. and still win. So I'm in on that. The second thing, the Bryson stuff, people. I think people have started to view Bryson like people view the USGA of like they're kind of just looking for like little things that aren't like I saw the handshake. I've seen handshakes between like Scott Drew and Bill Self that were shorter. Like it wasn't like it wasn't absurd. Like he didn't like punch the guy in the face or something. And yeah, he was pissed off. He was frustrated. Like I, I just. I don't know. Like it just seemed like people were making a huge deal out of something that was like maybe a small deal and barely even that. So, oh, so I, so I you th- you thought the reaction was more about uh, the snub on the 18th green that than uh, some of his actions along the way as he fell apart. Yeah, I think that's what people were pissed about is that it, he shook uh, the winners because he played with the guy that won. Right, and he shook his hand, and it was it was. I mean, it was quick. Like it wasn't like congratulations. <laughs> he didn't have time to say congratulations. Um, and I think like European people, like I saw people tweeting or writing or whatever, they were mad about it. And it's like, come on, like, are you seriously like that's what you're mad about? Like, wait till do you see the things Patrick Reed does in Paris? <laughs> right. Uh, do you think Bryson is going to end up making the team for the Ryder Cup? Because yes. you you wrote uh, on cbssports.com, dot um, the like this is it right like I mean this is this is where the the final moves have to be made. Yeah, we're at the end. Last two weeks of automatic qualifying, Bryson is out right now, um, but he's ninth. So you've got you've got the top eight. Webb is kind of the guy. The last two are Ricky and Webb. Ricky's seven. 
and Webb is eight. And there could be some movement from guys that are 9, 10, 11, 12. It's uh, Bryson, Phil, Kucher, and I'm not remembering the 12. Maybe Kisner. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could see you could see Bryson could with a with a good couple of weeks at Bridgestone and the PGA jump into the automatic qualifiers. But after the PGA, and it's kind of sneaked up on us. After the PGA, automatic qualifying is over, and then you've got three captains' picks and then one captains' pick at the at the very end. But I think regardless, like as long as he finishes ninth, even maybe tenth. In the qualifying, I think he's going to be in because I think that, and and I heard uh, I heard Chris Solomon talking about this on the No Line Up podcast. Tiger, like him and Bryson, are like kind of kind of buds, like they're kind of tight. Really? And yeah, like they play they play practice rounds together. I mean, I've seen you know photos of the. I think they played U.S. Open practice round. They played Open Championship practice round. But yeah, it's it's. Bizarre, right? Not the not the duo that. Although it makes sense because yeah, I think they're yeah, both. Yeah. I was saying about this, they're, they're both super analytical and just like super like crazy nerdy. And Tiger's just figured out a way to kind of like cover it up, I guess, or relate better to the general public. <laughs> and Bryce and Bryce is like, I I don't care. Give me my protractor. Right, right. Uh, I, I was gonna say it's not that odd of a duo when you consider. Uh, the the kinds of things that are running through each of their heads before hitting a golf shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think they're both. I think Tiger's like literally a genius when it comes to courses, and I think Bryson thinks he is and might be. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that 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 part of it does make a little bit of sense. So anyway, all that to say, if Tiger wants Bryson on the team, Bryson's going to be on the team, and. Even then, like the guy that I, I bet you, if you go back and look at the guy that finished just outside of the the automatic qualifiers, almost every year that guy has been picked because they were so close to qualifying. It's gonna be interesting because you got guys like Tony Finau and Xander Shoffley. Those are the two guys I'm kind of looking at over the next two weeks because they've had a combined five top tens at majors this year. They both been playing really good golf, and they're both probably gonna be left out unless they like one of them wins one of the next two weeks. And I've been saying it for the last three months, there's going to be some awesome guys that are left at home for the U.S. I mean, if you leave Tony Finau and Xander Shoffley at home, I mean, my gosh, like you could form a team around them that would beat the internationals in the President's Cup next year. Like without the other guys, without the Spieth and the DJ guys. Um, so yeah, those, those are kind of the two super interesting ones in terms of automatic qualifiers. Everybody else is pretty much set. There's like three, I think Kepka, Reed and DJ have already, like no matter if they withdraw the next two tournaments, they're already in. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun little subplot for, uh, for the, for Bridgestone and PGA. What do you think about Tony Finau as a little bit of a sleeper at, uh, Bridgestone? Uh, yeah, I think he's a sleeper at, at PGA. Oh yeah, I think that uh, I think that course is gonna. I think the leaderboard on that course is gonna be like JB Holmes, DJ, Tony Finau, Rory. Uh, 
get Cameron Champ in the field. He'll be up. There. I think it's just guys that hit it like 380 yards. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a 350 yard minimum to be able to be in the top five at Bell Reeve. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, any any other big expectations for this weekend? No, I I think these smaller field tournaments. Uh, WGC aside are, are fun. I like the, the no cut small field deal because you get, you get four rounds of tiger, you get four rounds of Rory, you get four rounds of, uh, speed chirping at, at Michael Greller. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not super caught up in the whole like farewell to Firestone thing, but I think that, uh, you know, you usually get big name winners at WGCs and, and that's always fun to me because it's it's fun to write, it's fun to think about, it's fun to see how it affects kind of the narrative of, of the year and, and of different guys' careers as well. Um is Chris Solomon or one of somebody from the No Laying Up crew uh s- quietly or maybe not quietly pushing the suggestion that uh Greller should be Tiger's new caddy? Uh, that was uh, Tron. Tron, yeah, set him who free. That, who thinks that DJ is the greatest player in 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 history? Yeah, he <laughs> he's uh, he's out on speed. He thinks that Greller's the the uh, holds all the all the power in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Which is hilarious. Yeah, which is hilarious. All right, he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, Kyle, like, thank you. As, as as I'm here in a hotel room in Fort Lauderdale, and, and you're in a, a coffee shop parking lot, we're doing our best. I appreciate your effort. Absolutely, I'm sweating. I'm ready to go back inside, uh, but it was fun and uh, traveled to you as you head home. <laughs> <laughs>